I'll tell you what, Dave, right. Um, we've heard from yeah. a guy from Spotify, okay? And we've been oh, informed. Yeah. They kind of prefer 45-minute podcasts. So we're going to try and keep 45 today. But Dave, can you please, please keep the space ramblings to a minimum? We all saw it, about? The, the space, the craft went up in the end. It's all good. I don't want to have to go to the Zoom green room, okay, and explain to Racky Plues why we're keeping her waiting, all right? Fine. Right? A- absolutely fine. I will keep my mouth shut. All right. Okay. And second thoughts, I don't want to have to do this whole show by myself. This week on Whiskey and Things, we are joined by Racky Plues, choreographer and director of all your favourite musical theatre shows. And we enjoy the Mictus US number one Kentucky straight bourbon, and we hear the poetic tasting notes from our special friend, the Whiskey God. Don't forget to keep in contact with us on all our social media platforms. We are at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter, and at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram. I think we're on LinkedIn too. Yeah. Don't know why. And drop that E, remember? And also remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things Podcast with Dave Giles and Nick Kent. Welcome to Whiskey and Things, episode 12. I am Dave Giles. And I am Nick Kent. We've made it to a dozen. A dozen, Dave. A whole 12. A whole 12? <laughs> a whole 12. Not a half a 12. A whole 12. Thanks to everyone who, who uh, listened in to last week's show. We delayed it, rightfully so, and um, came out on Wednesday. So we hope you've had enough time to listen to it. We have had a few people listen already uh, as we're recording this, because we've only recorded on Thursday. So uh, we've only had a day to, to speak to people. But I've heard from, uh, heard from Danny Groff. Danny Groff? How's he doing? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, he's all right. Good enough. Yeah, we've heard from Danny Gruff and um, he was thinking about the, the last few pods, Nick, and oh, yeah. he distinctly remembers that when you were talking to Jared, you yeah. were saying how the really important thing when you're on tour as a musician uh, is that you, you can get on with everyone and... You're you're a good guy, but then after listening to the, to the Robbie Coles interview and being reminded of the tour we all did together, oh yeah, he went back and, and watched uh, my tour diaries that I did, my video diaries. Oh I yeah, did. oh yeah. Because uh, I put I put the link in the description, and his uh, his exact words were, I may be paraphrasing, but I'm sure Nick <laughs> Nick said rule number one of touring was make sure you're good to be around in your podcast. Looks like he's being a reet bellend on day three. <laughs> well, and yeah, I've since I was... watched that, you definitely were. You definitely were. I You're in everyone's what grill. Doing. What was I doing? You were very, you were very drunk still from the night before. Oh. Uh, and mm. everyone's trying to sleep in the van, and you're prodding and poking and. Well, I'm the kind of person you have on tour, so you can kind of, you know, appreciate it when I'm not around. You know, when I'm not drunk, you see, it's kind of like a give and take. You got to kind of give him a bit of a jib every now and again. So when I'm calm, you're like, oh, it's a good day today. You know? Yeah. All right. Anyway. (laughs) If you say so. Anyway, I I also watched those tour diaries uh, and it was a lot of fun looking back at that old tour. It was a great tour. Great tour, mate. It was a great tour. Great tour. It was a great tour. It's such a good tour. (laughs) Should we crack on then? Whiskey Bots roll out. This week's whiskey beautiful delivery dave oh i'm proud of that one proud of that one is 
Michter's US number one Kentucky straight bourbon. It says on my bowl, it's a limited production American whiskey. Is that right? Um, not strictly with this actual one. They have a bunch of others which are kind of limited production there, like the 10-year-olds and the 20-year-olds and the 25s. This is a small batch, though. Right. We uh, once again have our little drinks by the dram bottles. Yes, we do. Uh, on this one. Uh, I have, don't believe I've even seen a bottle of this in the flesh. I must, I may have done, but I don't have any recollection of this. No, I think it's kind of well known in America, but it's not really distributed further than that very often, I don't think. You can obviously get right. it. That's the thing. It is quite an expensive one. Is it? Yeah. Just an expensive bourbon, is it? Yeah. But again, because of the distribution, to buy it in England, you're talking 50 to 55 quid. For a bottle of bourbon, a young bourbon. But in the U- in the US, it's 35 to 40 dollars. So right, that's a considerable difference. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But, what um, else you got? What else you got on this? Well, it's had a few names in its time. Take this whiskey for example. It's called US Number One. Okay. Yeah. And it was to honour the uh, Michter's heritage, hearkening back to America's first whiskey company. It was originally known as Schnecks, and then later Boom Burgers. These two cool. companies, right? Um, but then later became known as Michter's. Right. And it was yeah founded by John Schneck a Swiss farmer in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania! Wrongvania. Um, in 1753. <laughs> Good year. I don't know, maybe. After all those incarnations, okay? Yes. Shut down, prohibition, all this kind of stuff. Uh, during the 50s, Lou Foreman, one of the distillery's owners, created the modern Michter's brand name, but check this out. Combining portions of his son's names, Michael and Peter. Brilliant. It's a good little whiskey. As we said, it's quite expensive and it's um, it's known it's for dark. its quality. Oh, it's a beautiful colour. It's a yeah, beautiful re- colour. I, I think this is the darkest one we've had. Bourbon-wise. It's, it's, it's got good legs on it. What does that mean? You've not said that yet. No. Well, if you swill it around in the glass... I'm swilling it around yeah. in the glass. Now I let, do this every week. Now you see how long it takes for those droplets to come down. And the slower, the better. Is that what you're saying? Well, the slower means it's got more, like a higher sugar content, a bit more viscous. Viscous? Like biscuits? Yes. Bourbon Next. biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> or bourbon That's biscuits. That's the connection. Now we know. There now we, we know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's supposedly an old company, but they're, they're using extremely kind of up-to-date methods to make it. For example, they're using forced heating in their warehouse, Dave. Why would they do that, Nick? Well, I'll tell you. You think about a lot of whiskey companies, they put the new make in the barrel and then they put it in a warehouse to age, okay? Yeah. And then they rely then on the different seasons, summer, winter, okay, the different temperatures and pressures to force the whiskey in and out of the barrel, in and out of the wood, getting the characteristics, the colours and all the taste and all that kind of stuff. What forced heating is, is they warm up and cool down the warehouses artificially. Therefore, they get maybe two maybe three cycles of seasons in one year to speed up the whole process. Nice, clever. Yeah, very clever. Thing is, I'd love to buy one of these. 50 quid, 55. For a bottle of bourbon. The thing I find with bourbon is you don't want to drink it like you do with the scotches. The scotches, you want to savour a little bit, like you actually want to leave it on your tongue a little bit. But the bourbons, it's not quite the same. It's more of a... Ah, it's more of a get it down you drink. I, there's, <laughs> too, I haven't had too many expensive bourbons, mm. but as they get more expensive, I don't 
necessarily notice the, the jump in quality like you do with scotch. When the price goes up for scotch, you really notices it. Notice yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas a, a daily bourbon, you get a bullet or or a Jim Beam or something like that, is drink is almost as drinkable as a more slightly more expensive one. I know what you mean. A scotch is maybe sometimes, especially around this maybe price range for us, it's more of more of an event. An experience. experience, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and, and and maybe as we we learn more about bourbon, maybe as we have more expensive ones, maybe we'll get the opportunity. That might my opinion on that may change, but based based on what we've had so far, that's where I'm at. You just made me think. I watched a great documentary this week on Amazon oh, yeah. Prime about bourbon. Oh yeah, called Neat. Neat. Very interesting. Yeah, I'll tell you why I like it. Great production value, but it's very informative as well. Excellent. Amazon Prime, you say? Amazon Prime, mate. Neat. Later on in the show, you'll be able to hear from the Whiskey God for his tasting notes on the Michter's USA number one bourbon. Just get the things over with. This week's things. Everyone's favourite bit. Everyone's favourite. Well, is it though? Is it? As discussed last week, we were going to have a little poll. Ooh. And I suggested, if you remember, I suggested that there may be different results on different platforms. Oh, yes, demographics. So I put it on Twitter and I put it on Instagram. Did you know? Yes. Would you like to have a guess at what the polls, and obviously these are scientific. Oh, very. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I've suggested. Um, I reckon... I think Instagrammers are more into the whiskey. Our survey says... Yes, you are correct. correct. Mm. You are correct. On Instagram, we had uh, 65% of people saying they preferred the whiskey. And on Twitter, we had 61% of people saying they preferred the things. Really? And my friend Lucy replied saying, both? So, uh, yeah, bonus points for Lucy. Yep. That's... Definite, she's definitely, definitely bonus points got for Lucy the, there. Got the point of a survey. Um, exactly. Love you! <laughs> Nick, I don't know if you, if you noticed, but we, we, had, uh, we had an email this week at Whiskey and Things HQ. Well, I was stalling this a little bit. Because Why? I don't know. I, I found it a bit kind of... It, it hit me. It hit me, this email. Do you want to explain to the listeners what this email was? We had an email from someone who's claiming to be Marty McFly. No, you can't play games out there, okay? I'm in a very, very emotional place with this whole Marty McFly because I got quite attached to him. I did try and kill him a few times. <laughs> but the more he flew away, the more, you know, I, I loved him. Um, and he did fly away and I don't know where he is. Um, so whoever's toying with us with this, this message... I mean, it wasn't just a message. It was a song. It was a song. It was a song. Should we play it? I think we should play it. Should we play it? Okay. Um, please be aware, you might find this recording disturbing. My name is Marty, and I am a fly. I was so happy, and now I want to die. I thought I found myself a home with a man. Drinks lots of whiskey every day of the week. 
him i'm very impressed i didn't know he had the talent i didn't know he had the you know i didn't know vocal he had the, range yeah well, not just that i mean he's Think- obviously learned how to use pro tools um a microphone maybe did you teach him how to did you teach him all of this maybe he was just very observant he was watching me edit the show every week so maybe there he's run off but- i don't actually know what to say about this i mean it sounds it did make me miss him a bit i'm not gonna lie he sounds scottish there's yeah. a few words that are definitely Scottish in that beard. Yeah, but but for me though, he's his chords and melody sound suspiciously like a Danny Gruff song, doesn't it? Welcome by Danny Gruff. Yeah, but I don't accuse Marty of plagiarism now. No, no. But it might have just been listening because I was listening to Danny Gruff a lot, you know, while he was here, you know, helping his Spotify numbers go up. Oh, of course. Well, there that might be it. That so might be it. you know, it's just ingrained on him that harmony. Um, but yeah, um, if, if whoever's doing this sick joke, can you please stop? I'll right. just reveal yourself. Cause it's really funny. <laughs> we just want to know who it is. At least make a music video for it. It's driving me mad. It's driving me mad. I don't want to think so, about uh, it cause it's, it's quite painful. Let's move on. Dave. Anyway, should we, should we move on? Should we move on? So this, this week we, uh, we managed to catch up with a very old friend of ours. Someone I met uh, way back in the mid noughties, uh, I was asked to play guitar for a musical at Upstairs at the Gatehouse Theatre in Highgate. It was a Christmas musical, six week run. It was called It's Only Make Believe. And then I was invited back the following year for their Christmas musical. Uh, and it was The Young Ones, the Cliff Richard musical. And it's a family run theatre by the Plues family. And uh, they're a wonderful family. Mum and dad run the, th- uh, the theatre. Mum's a producer, dad's a director. And they and the kids, Jess and Racky, just did everything. They learned how to do everything. Act, dance, sing, makeup, hair, lighting, sound, everything. They learned every aspect of the theatre business and also went to theatre school. So uh, Racky, that first show I did was a choreographer. I can never say that word. Choreography and choreographer. I can never say it anyway. <laughs> as you will find out listening to this. Um, yeah. And then, and then late, and then the next year, she moved on to director. And uh, now I didn't do any more. But randomly, Nick's also got a, a Racky Plue story. Yeah, I met Racky back in two thousand and eight because Dave recommended me to do some press shots for a show she was directing called Marriage of Figaro at the Shaw Theatre in London. And then I didn't work with her again for another eight years when I was randomly asked to play bass in Green Day's American Idiot musical. 
she was directing. Well, did you play bass in American Idiot, the musical? You know what, I did. I should really go into it one time. You know, we might, it might come up in this interview, Dave. It may, it may do. Yeah. I wasn't asked by her, but she was directing, which is great. And we've worked together a bunch since. Um, in recent years, Racky's been involved with touring and West End productions such as Footloose, American Idiot, as I said, Summer Holiday. I was on that one as well. Were you on that one? Thoroughly Modern Millie. I was on that one as well. Were you on that one? <laughs> um, Knights of the Rose. Were you on that one? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Susical, which sounds really cool. And she's also been doing many shows for Royal Caribbean Cruises as well, which she'll talk about later on. Um, but yeah, she's a good friend of us both. And this was a really good little chat and a little catch up. It was great it? chat. We, uh, we, we start off talking quite technical, uh, and then we get on some anecdotes later on. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's hear from Racky. Racky Plues. Welcome Racky Plues. <laughs> Welcome to Whiskey and Things. Welcome Racky. Thank you. Thank you. So Racky, talk me through it. What is the difference between a choreographer and a director? Because in my head... In musical theatre, they're the same job. Good question, Dave. Good question. Thanks. Nick wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading it yeah, out. While he's playing gigs, I was writing all the, all the questions out. Don't worry about it. As a director, you have the overall vision. Uh, so someone has to be steering that ship. And uh, as the choreographer, yeah, yeah, you, it, it's the movement. And of course, as uh, you know, if you're choreographing movement, any kind of uh, dance it's going to have an emotion to it so therefore it's your storytelling and I think that's probably why quite a few choreographers end up going into directing because it's it's it is quite a natural progression we get taught as dancers to express ourselves with no words so yeah. you have to be quite uh, that's what I love doing um myself and Nick uh did a, a little show together called American Idiot which he went to New Zealand with which I know you're familiar with, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm glad that came from you in, in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on Nick, did you play an American Idiot? Well, you know what? I did, mate. I did. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah three runs, I think. Um, two runs. Anyway, Racky, please carry on. And, um, of course, it's there, there is a little bit of dialogue. There's not much, though. There's like a total of nine pages of dialogue. I think putting that that show onto the stage because um, it's, it's basically a concept album. Uh, I really wanted to make sure that the story was really visual. So in this case, being a director and choreographer really helped on this particular show because um, yeah, I was able to use the music to express a story. And I think with directing, the the technical aspect is what what you need. And I, I'd speak to choreographers that I work with and I say, oh, you've got a great eye. Why don't you try directing? So oh, no, no, I can do, I can do that. And I think that's the technical aspects, which again, I feel so lucky about having been brought up in a theatre, having to learn the lighting and the sound. And like you guys were saying, you know, mm-hmm. having that understanding of, of the different jobs that I do find, I, I love talking to those people and I love the technical aspect of it. I recently I directed choreographed and created a, a show for Royal Caribbean and they gave me quite quite a bit of nice money um, to to be technical with. So I've got um, 64 drones that fly out over the audience at one point. Wow. This is the effectors, right? 
it is the effect of I've been, I've been watching a lot of videos of this show. Really? Tell us a bit about it because the the technology that's going on in this show is amazing. Oh man, oh, it's in, it's incredible. Um, it's about superheroes, and Royal Caribbean wanted to create their own brand of superheroes. It was uh, Nick Weir's idea, and if you don't follow him on Twitter, follow him, Nick Weir. Okay. And he because he's always coming up with um, like the latest idea, the latest uh, wanting to use the latest technology. And that's what I love too. So, um, you know, between us and um, some other producers, we came up with as many aspects and technical ideas that we could think of. And then we narrowed it down, not, not by much. A lot stayed in. We've got holograms. No um, way. Yeah, we've got flying in the show. Drones. Um, we've wow. got drones. The drones thing I was very impressed by. You know, yeah, hovering over the crowd for for one. You, I didn't think that would be allowed, to be honest. You know, these drones <laughs> kind of hovering around. So mm-hmm. if, I, I know you said it was a collaboration, but are, are your your role as a director or, or as a producer in that? Are you, are you did you say you're the directing, producing, and choreograph choreographing that, or is uh, so I um, created it? Yeah, I didn't produce it. Producer usually is the person that finds the money, right? <laughs> I ain't got any. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the producers is the person that brings it all together um, mm. and, and the logistics of it. I mean, I always get notes of the producer because that's who is, you know, putting up the putting up the money. Putting and up the moolah. That's it, or having the investors. You okay, you okay, Dave? Yeah, everything just fell off my wall. Yeah. What, just randomly? Yeah, basically. Okay. It's Nick's fault as well, but it doesn't matter. It's all my fault. Sorry. Is it your is it your uh, Lego rocket? No, Lego rockets are right. That's over there. Okay, good. <laughs> we're, we're, we're fine. We're fine with that. You saw the rocket launch, right? Did I? Did I? <laughs> There's another show that we did uh, on the ship. It's called Flight, and it it starts with SpaceX and it goes back in time to uh, the very first flight with the Orville brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. Dave's amazed. Yeah. Oh, okay. you, would, you would love it, Dave. You just, and, you've done it now. You've went, done it. You've given I him something I went to 34 to different air and pursue. space museums last year. So I, I think I think this would be right up my street, yeah. I mean, yeah, Nick Weir, the producer of that show, just sent me pictures. He was at SpaceX for the launch. I was so jealous. Oh, jealous. Yeah. Yeah. I, saw the, I saw the Wright Brothers plane uh, last July, the original oh, yeah, plane. I just said the Orville Brothers. It's Orville and... Um, well, well done. Well done. I'm very impressed. Nice I think got some good sound effect there for a winning. winning yeah, <laughs> I'm sure Nick's got all the sound effects. <laughs> and Dave, oh, honestly, if you can try and watch some of the stuff is on YouTube. Okay. The, the aeroplane that's used at the end of this show, it's the exact same size as the original aeroplane that the Wright brothers took. Wow. And it flies Jesus. out around the audience no yeah it does that's a mate because that's a big it's big yeah oh, it's it's, is this on a cruise ship you're saying yeah this is a cruise yeah ship. how big is the theater on this thing uh i think that's about 1400 seats can, can i ask a technical question here you're on the sea and yeah. the sea and the sea obviously moves <laughs> does it like well, a boat on the sea would go up Hopefully. and down right so when you're when you're dealing with technology in that context, do you have to factor that in? Are there certain things you can't do because mm. of movement of the theatre? Because mm. it's not like it's a building that's standing still. 
this is constantly moving. I suppose I've never looked at it as what you can't do. I've always looked at it as a challenge and gone, right, what can we do? Right. Such an optimist. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Can yeah. do attitude. But what can we use that rolling around for? Yeah. Oh, well. There we go. There go. The, the flying is the craziest because that sometimes the flyer is quite still compared to the rest of the ship. So it looks like it's more. Smooth. Yeah. But yeah. that said, it depends. Like if, if, if someone's on um, two wires, they've got more stability. If someone's on a single mm. wire, they can go flying. You can't do the show. You, you know, the, the stage manager has to make that call and say, no show tonight. Wow. I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about that until we were having this conversation <laughs> that, that that would be a, a limitation for yeah. cruise ship mm. theatres. But they're pretty big, though, aren't they? They're pretty big, so I'm guessing the rollings are more minimal than like a villages cross channel ferry. I think on the biggest ship in yeah the biggest ship where where flight is on, I think it's seven and a half thousand people. It's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. That's a little city. I can't even think about. It. That's yeah. that's that's bigger than like the smallest city in the UK. When when it when it comes like maybe maybe you're at a career a point in your career where this doesn't matter, but obviously you've made a living as choreo- choreogra- choreographing. Is that the right term? I mean, maybe. Do you want to try to pronounce the whiskies again? <laughs> yeah, but I can't do words, and I'm fine with that. So um, you've made a living doing doing choreography. Yeah. And, and, and directing. <laughs> Has there been shows like you don't? I don't expect you to name them, but how many times are you taking paycheck jobs where you actually can't stand the show? You're a positive person, so even a show you don't like, you're probably you're probably going to tell me I found a way to like that, it. That's but, the but, problem, yeah. Because I would always, if I if I got offered something, I yeah, I will always be truthful and honest to see to to tell someone to tell a producer if I thought I was the right person. And I think, again, that's probably be having my parents having a theatre because they had so many visiting companies come to the theatre that you see you see how not to be a director as well as how to be a director. And I think that's just as important. You know, if you're looking at about going into any kind of profession, go and assist people, go and talk to people. And so much of who you become is what you don't want to be of someone else and what you do want to be of someone else. And when people would come to the theatre, to my parents' theatre, and hire the space and have a creative that didn't have their heart in it, and some guys just remortgaged their house to put on the musical that they've sure, written, yeah. I think yeah. I saw enough of that to go, I would never, ever do that. Um, yeah. But then you don't want to be too picky either because you we need to survive. But I, I would always make sure it's something that I feel I could, you know, help help the project. And and I have to believe in it. Otherwise, yeah. uh, you know, as much as you're getting paid, you you invest your life and soul into these shows. And as Nick will tell you, um, I don't I don't usually just leave a show. I'm not that kind of director or choreographer and go, okay, see you later, guys. Um, I'm there. Uh, I, I love it. I, I join in. Uh, usually on the last night or the last week of... Well, you just turn up randomly as well. I do, yeah. So I like, <laughs> yeah, you kind of spot you out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you have to... Some, some people... In- maximum effort tonight. 
Oh, come on. You were like on point every show. I did maximum effort every That's night. That's it. You went beyond, babes. I mean, I gave Sorry. I gave him choreography. That makes sense. Yeah. In I, fact, I, remember, yeah, I gave you choreography. Yeah, I used to get in trouble with you. You used to tell me I was over mm. overacting. Bear in mind, I was just a guitarist at the back. Yeah, yeah, I did overact. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, Dave. I had the funniest bit in the show. I don't know about you. You know, in American Idiot. <laughs> We were getting all the laughs. In fact, in New Zealand, um, Blair actually told me I couldn't have as many laughs as I was getting. That's my assistant. me down. That's my assistant. I was only allowed three. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I remember him calling me about it. Assistant director Blair said, no, you can't have that many. You're making them laugh too much. You're only allowed three. Rule of thumb though, right? Comedies in three. Yeah, but I couldn't help it, you know. If they laugh, then it's not my fault, is it? You know, and it just eggs you on, doesn't it? And it just eggs you on. It does. Yeah. yeah. It's a- That's why this is why musicians shouldn't be on stage <laughs> in musical theatre. This is why the pit was designed to keep Good us point. out of the way, uh, so that we don't steal the limelight from the precious actors. Uh, precious, precious actors. Those precious, precious actors. Exactly. <laughs> And you can hear the second part of the interview with Racky Plues later in the show. And talking of delicate actors, uh, let's hear from the Whiskey God. Whoa! Hello, Mr. Giles. Hello, Mr. Kent. Does he have to do that every time? Can you give us a little bit of warning? I thought we were going to have a sting. My blood pressure is going through the roof. I tell thee. Good God. Well, good to see you. Um, You mean bad God? Bad God. But Whiskey God, you're such a wonderful performer and you've got such an epic voice have you ever thought about going into musical theatre good question hmm I don't care about that to be or not to be nonsense there is no question I prefer the delicate potty basque of a proper dram on my senses well the world's missing out as far as I'm concerned yeah we all know you can sing God imagine you in a musical it'd be amazing oh Twinkle toes, little twinkle toes. So, God, how about you uh, give us some tasting notes for this wonderful Michter's US number one Kentucky straight bourbon? Michter's US number one bourbon. Tasting notes on the ice, a typical straight amber. On the nose, you will notice the corn and of course the oak barrels that did their wonderful job. A bit of dried fruit. However, oddly, something really interesting happens here. Knowing that you've a bourbon in hand, you will notice a strong sense of barley and raisins. Something normally typical of Highland malts, such as Johnny Walker Black, or even an island malt, such as the Jura Origin, which you can hear me review in episode 4. On the palate, with a very soothing mouthfeel, which I would say is half the viscosity of honey, you will detect an immediate sweetness. Not the kind from Buffalo Trace, but rather a more refined sweetness that has interesting pairs of tasting notes. Cinnamon with sweet corn. Honey with spices. There is a bit of youth to this whiskey, though, which you will detect near the end of the tasting. 
It might have benefited by maybe a couple more years in the barrels. Well, but Nick was telling me there's uh, they've got some older ones as well, like a 10-year, a 25-year. Yeah, don't you know anything about Mictus, Whiskey God? Are you kidding? I watched the birth of Mictor's master distiller with a glass of something I remember being quite accurate in hand. What did the early Americans call it? Oh yeah, white dog, moonshine. It was like a really disgusting punch made of corn and confidence. But in the end, it turned out well. Yeah, it did turn out well. I'm not sure why you're watching people give birth, but, um, <laughs> you know, we did get bourbon out of it, but, um, yeah, I'll keep that on the download. Keep it on the DL, God. On the finish. A really strange but welcome peppery vanilla note starts the departure from the palate. The smokiness of the oak as well, and a very pleasant spice and heat at the end. Overall, an age isn't provided here by the company, which is likely why you will notice it has an experience akin to that of other young bourbons, albeit with the aforementioned complexities, of course. While it is a bit pricey for what I would call a young bourbon, it is definitely not a starter bourbon, like that of Jim Beam White Label or Buffalo Trace. Either way, even though Michter's is known for their rye, I always welcome a glass of Michter's U.S. number one bourbon. Ta-ta. See you, God. See you next week. See you next week. And of course, if you want to hear more from our Whiskey God, uh, you could hear him sing a song or two on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash whiskey and things. Ooh. That's whiskey with no E. Don't forget. I'll tell you what, he mentioned that there wasn't an age on the bottle. Oh, yeah. They age their whiskies to taste. So they're constantly tasting um, to get the uh, flavour they want rather than actually just leave it for a certain amount of time. Interesting. How close are we to that 45 minutes yet? Yeah, we need to, we need to crack on. Jeez, yeah. we need to crack on. The Whiskey God will be back next week. Same whiskey show, same whiskey channel. So we hear some more from Racky Blues? Yeah, let's do it. Ugh, things. I want to take you back to your choreography stuff. Two, two questions. First of all, what do you prefer, directing or choreography? What do you prefer? What, no, what do you prefer? <laughs> what do you prefer? But that's like, that's like saying, what do you prefer, rockets or guitars? Yeah, good question. Right. So we'll move on to the next question then. <laughs> and that's when when you struggle, uh, do, when you're directing, do you struggle to let go of chore being a choreographer? No, not at all. Okay. No. Which which brings me on to another question. When is I'm a there, choreographer, do I have <laughs> to let go of directing? Yeah. No. Um, is there a signature Racky Plues move which you put into every single show, regardless of whether it is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Appropriate. Appropriate. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I thought there was. I thought there was. Yeah, I think it's really important to have certain moves because it's a style. Yeah. Hopefully, you, you want to be recognised for your work, don't you? And I, I, there are a couple of silly, fun moves that I always put in as well. And I think it's like Disney, you know, apparently Mickey Mouse is always in a Disney movie. Did you hear that? No. No. Apparently. So somewhere I, he'll be in the... Apparently, yeah. Uh, little Easter, Easter eggs. 
It's a choreography Easter egg. I like there that. Is one, there is one move, which I... I may have this completely wrong, but there's a kind of move, yeah. which I think is a Racky Blues move. And you yeah. tell me if it's not. So I'm going to stand <laughs> no. up and demonstrate. I cannot wait. Oh, here we go. It was something like this. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> I seem to recall that being double-handed thing. For the listeners, yeah. Dave just attacked his own crop. <laughs> um, With both no. hands. <laughs> And then projected both, both hands. hands yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Karate chopped his groin. Is it, is it something like that, that or am I? Or am I or is is, that <laughs> there is definitely, there are definitely shows out there that have <laughs> that movement, <laughs> including one that Nick worked on, yeah, with the West End Bears. <laughs> oh, that show. One of my favourite things about being part of a show, and Nick, yeah. Nick might agree with me, is the misbehaving. <laughs> so... I, I loved it when the actors were trying to make each other laugh, the hazing, oh. all, all those kind of little things that make naughty, each show you, naughty. the, the naughtiness that the actors do. And the, the, to just do it to entertain each other and the, the people on the, in the crew, when you're doing a show for six months, they're the little things that keep you sane. How difficult is that as a director to, to kind of let go or stamp out yeah, obviously there are lines that can't be crossed, but but to an extent, do you want actors to be doing that kind of thing? That's it. So as the director, you you set that line, you set that border, and as um, well, you both know. So you both worked with me, but I do love the naughtiness and the cheekiness as well. Yeah. For me, the the whole buzz that I get of going to see something or working on something is that it's live. Of course, there are restrictions or boundaries that you have to set. For example. Lighting, not, not all the lighting fixtures move. They can't all follow. You don't want to follow spot in, in every sequence. So standing on battleship upstage number two to downstage number eight, you have to go on where it's set to go. But how you get there in your thought or um, or physicality might be a possible, a possible moment to see how you're feeling that night. And I think now the further that I get in my career, the, the more comfortable I am and the, uh, like setting those boundaries. And I, um, I actually enjoy saying, you know what, guys, this is a free moment. And by saying that it's a free moment actually allows that person then to go, what? Okay, I can, I can breathe in this moment. I can see how I feel. It's not you know, you, yeah, again, you have to make sure it doesn't change the storyline or it doesn't affect, it doesn't have a knock-on effect. But as long as you've talked about a moment that could be free, it actually makes the rest of the show um, secure and people then want to hold on to those secure things. A lot of people say, do you secret show watch? And I feel like I don't need to. I feel that there's enough fun in the show and there's enough, there's enough moments where... People, and, and we've talked about the story so much that people just want to honour that and, and have fun and and do the best that they can do. Can do. So I think finding that balance is, is really, really important. And, and that's something that I just love to explore as a director. Yeah. Guys and Dolls was a classic. There's, there's a moment in the show where, do you know Guys and Dolls? I think I saw it years ago, so yeah. probably if, yeah. I do. I saw it when your sister was doing wigs in um, in town. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so there's a moment quite near mm. the end. There's um, Nicely Nicely gets up and sings a song in, in the missionary. In the missionary? Mission? Missionary. <laughs> 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 
Brilliant. We all love, we all love the missionary. So go go on, carry on. And he talks about a dream. He sings about a dream that he's had. In the missionary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone at the very end, uh, someone says, "Sit down, you big fat water buffalo." I mean, that, that's what's in it. <laughs> Our guy wasn't that big and fat who sang it. So <laughs> the guy that delivered the line, David Muscat, he, I, I said to him, "All right, well, let's let's change the insult every night." Nice. Okay. Oh my goodness. So I think <laughs> the best one was something like and this guy was a uh, ginger, and he said, "Sit down, you big." Uh, teenage Mutant Ginger Turtle. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. The whole stage of people erupt. Like you've got just got shoulders. Really accurate up. for the period um, as well. Yeah, really, really went for the period, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and everyone, and I remember that the, the, <laughs> one of the guys, he just went, <laughs> just like, <laughs> in the middle of a scene. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, we've maybe gone a bit too far, but <laughs> yeah, they're definitely, definitely my favourite moments was trying to hide laughter on the yeah. stage, and, and Stu and I, Stu used to play bass, sitting there trying to trying to not to laugh, and then of course yeah. you just can't anymore hold it in, and it comes out like some weird cough, like yeah, that, yeah that's it. Well, you've got John Addison on that. Show, oh right? my god, he was. It, He'd come running over because he, he was wearing the overalls. Do you remember the overalls yes, that they overall when they weren't the their characters? Because yeah. you used to come on stage dressed in those sometimes and be, like be oh, in the I, show. Oh, then I show with the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the mustache, it was amazing. But John, John would come running over to the band, land in front of us, rip open his overalls, and he would have something written on his chest or something right. drawn, something phallic drawn on his chest. And whilst we were playing and expect us, like, and he was constantly trying it. I remember he, he, he got a BB gun, didn't yeah, he, or something, yeah. shooting people shooting from backstage. He was shooting us while I was playing. I'd get, I'd get hit. One, someone for Christmas in the Secret Santa got him this BB yeah, gun. Yeah, that was it. And it was because of Christmas show. And it was like, oh my God, this is the, the both the best and worst thing ever. But yeah, yeah I love no, those I- moments. That's what I remember about it. 13 years on, we, yeah. we talk about that, the, the, yeah. Mock up matinees were always one of my favourite shows. Yeah, mock up, and again, it's it's really difficult because I, I, I get again, it's setting those clear boundaries because mm. a mock up matinee for those people who are listening who don't who don't know about that, it's it's usually the penultimate show, which is a matinee because you usually finish on the Saturday night and there's a Saturday matinee. So on the Saturday matinee, as long as nothing changes the, sh- the story in the show, you know, if you're working in the West End, people people can pay up to £150 a ticket. You can't be messing about too much. It, but if you can do something subtle and and everyone can enjoy it, there are for the, the theatre fans that are out there who oh, no. know about these mock-up matinees will be looking out for these things. Um, so, yeah. so sometimes there are just there are just gems to, and, and it's a real special part part of theatre to, to, yeah, to be a part of. Obviously, this this is a podcast called Whiskey and Things. I know. And, uh, it's been I loads of things. I this, love things. It's, it's been a wonderful, but we, we, we <laughs> do have to ask, Racky. Yeah. Do you like whiskey? You can be honest. It's fine. Don't make me Sam Lavery, you. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, that's it. I just thought the dramatic pause. Again, I just thought there was good, good music. Oh, yeah, I'd want to, I'd want a sound effect there, Nick, please. Yeah. So, so, I really want more work. Crickets. Dun, I'll put some dun, crickets dun, over that dun, bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? Jack and full fat Coke used to be my drink. Yes, it's lovely. It's lovely. A lot of people don't like it. It's nice. That was after I was, uh, when I loved Smirnoff. Oh, yes. I mean, do you remember that Smirnoff ice? Yeah, the glory days. That's sugary. Yeah. <laughs> Lime Bacardi, Bacardi breezes, Smirn- Smirnoff ice, and yeah. Jack and Coke. Yeah. That's a night out. That's, that's it. And I just, I remember there was someone I really fancied and it was Jack and Coke. And so that's it. And it's, that's probably, you know, some, another reason that you, you start drinking something is because someone else is drinking it to you like or mm. like. I'm, I'm glad you didn't name drop there and tell everyone it was me but that's fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank thanks you. so much Racky yeah, that was awesome keep doing what you guys are doing best and that's the podcast wait hold on no you're great <laughs> <laughs> what do you do <laughs> and a great photographer I just, just keep doing what you're doing because it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> thanks Racky <laughs> You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast. Oh, mate, that sound. What that, is that noise? That means, That's new. That means we've gone over 45 minutes. No! Yeah, I know. We've, we've failed that task. Oh, it's all I Marty get, McFly's fault. Yeah. I guess we're never going to be a hit podcast, mate. We can keep dreaming. There's always next week, Nick. There's always next yeah. week. Oh, well. Back to the day job. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, uh, watch this space on that one. Anyway. Man, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. It was, it was. It was so nice catch up. I've not spoken to Racky in a long time. So having those, like re- recollecting those memories about uh, the shows we did all those years ago, I, I have such fond memories of playing upstairs at the gatehouse uh, in their Christmas shows. Um, I won an award, Nick. I- I'm sure that's a great story, Dave, but we don't want to go too far over 45 minutes. All right. Yeah. All right. Fine. All right, fine, right. fine. Fine. Another time. If you would like to find out a bit more, about the wonderful Racky Plues, you can log on to her website at www.rackyplues.com and you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Racky Plues. Of course, you can hear the full interview on our Patreon page and also on Facebook this week. She actually turned up with a quiz, a whiskey quiz for Nick and I. So uh, it was very, a six-question uh, six quiz. It's very and, uncomfortable. Uh, we we very had no idea it was coming. So we'll be putting up a video of Racky giving us a quiz on our own podcast uh, or trying to hijack our podcast yeah. on our Facebook page at some yeah. point this week. My uh, my musical theatre career was on the line for this. It was on the line. It was on the line. So uh, yeah, check that out, people. Well, thanks very much for listening. Uh, sorry that we're... We, we end up overrunning again. We'll do better to try and keep the time a bit shorter next week, but uh, I've enjoyed Dave. the show. Snappier. Snappier. Yeah, yeah. I need to yeah. shut up, don't I? need to be more concise and more, more economical with my words, Nicholas. That's what I need to do. Anyway, talking of which, thanks to everyone <laughs> who's, uh, <laughs> who's been listening this week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. If you ever get a chance to try the Micta US number one uh, b- bourbon, Kentucky please do. Kentucky bourbon. And let us know what you think. I've really enjoyed this bourbon. Uh, so, so if you've had it, let us know what you think. Yeah, let us know. Next week, we'll be sampling the Glen Livet Founders Reserve Single Malt. Is this our first Glen? 
It might be our first Glenn. <laughs> is it our first Glenn? <laughs> Have we made 12 episodes without a Glenn? Without a Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> Call ourselves a whiskey show. Can't, can't even right. stick to 45 minutes. Haven't got a Glenn. What's going I'm on? Sure that, I'm sure there was a who's, who's Glenn anyway joke somewhere in it. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, yeah. <laughs> stick around for our first Glenn next week. <laughs> At the moment, we don't have a guest lined up, but then we didn't have a guest lined up for this week either. And we had a great one in the end. So, so that turned out all right, didn't turned it? Out turned pretty out pretty rosy. Pretty damn well. Anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's uh, wrap it up, Dave. Let's rack it up. <laughs> That's what I nearly said. <laughs> <laughs> Whiskey and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.